Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the End Time Tribune, covering breaking news and current events as it pertains to Bible prophecy. Loudly declaring the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. For we are wasting here, waiting for his cleansing return, because the end is where we begin. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to this week's edition of the End Time Tribune. This February the 10th, 2018. Interesting news transpiring this week as the trade war is highlighted in actions of our what should be considered allies. This come out this week, ladies and gentlemen. The EU could impose blocking regulations if U.S. pulls out of Iran deal. Now, I appreciate that this entire headline was meant to mislead you. The first paragraph elaborates. The European Union could put into place regulations to protect its firms doing business in Iran if the United States withdraws from the 2015 nuclear deal and restores extraterritorial sanctions, senior EU officials said on Thursday. Now, what does this all mean, ladies and gentlemen? It means that if we reinstitute sanctions against Iran, the European countries want to continue to do business with Iran, regardless of what we do. Now, That should be a little shocking to everybody. I mean, that is the definition of trade war, when your own allies are going way out of their way to make sure that they can do business with your enemies. Now, this paragraph does a whole lot to shed a whole lot of light on this situation. The so-called extra territory uh, of U.S. sanctions law, which apply to foreign firms carrying out transactions in U.S. dollars, even if the operations involve non-U.S. branches, allowed U.S. authorities to fine the French lender BMP nearly $9 billion in 2014. Now, the fears of such fines have been the one reasoning uh, – preventing major international lenders and firms from returning. So, see, ladies and gentlemen, our allies are not willing to abide by our sanctions. They are most certainly going to do business with Iran if we reimpose sanctions, but you have to understand the verbiage. What they're going to do is, is do business in something other than U.S. dollars. That should have your attention. 
If not, oh, I'm sure God will have your attention soon enough.
Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the End Time Tribune. It's good to be with you. Well, Clinton, how has your week fared? And uh, what's your thoughts on all the uh, quite tumultuous news that's going on with the markets this week? Well, you know, this week has been quite amazing to watch. Uh, when it comes to watching the market, when it comes to what's watching, what's going on with the unfolding of the Olympics, with the issues that are developing in Israel, it's the best way that I can say it is the world is being filled with deceit, lawlessness, and fraud. That, that's the best way that I can put it. Well, I would certainly have to agree with you there. Um, wow. The weapons of mass distraction and deception are really hitting their targets. It's, I don't know, it's disturbing. Bri, how has your week progressed and what's been catching your eye in the news? Well, I would say a plethora of uh, topics, but the Middle East this week has just gone into its absolute boiling point. You know, folks, if you remember back as the um, fight against Islamic State was boiling down, they stated flat out that it was going to be a full-blown battle to see what regional superpower was going to come out on top. And you can really see this circumstance escalating as we speak. It is just utterly out of control. We had the markets, as was touched on here. We had another mega hit come early in the week, and that whole circumstance, I found at least, what, three articles now this week that have essentially have nailed down the fact that what we stated two weeks ago was going to be the cause and factor of this. They're pointing their fingers at it, not to even mention ones that are pointing at inflation is coming. So a lot of things happening this week to keep your eyes on, besides, um, you know, the American idiocy at this stage, because it's all all gossip and nonsense if you get sucked into that. So, I don't know, maybe I'm living in a different world this week because I've just been annoying, ignoring that garbage. There's no point to even paying attention to it. Yeah, I agree. Uh, it amazed me that uh, I had to wait, you know, you know, Bri, uh Clinton usually likes to give us those numbers, so I looked and, you know, I thought to myself, well, Clinton must be getting them somewhere. Well, it was actually the only place I could find it was uh, Israeli news, uh, you know, Arut Shava. Uh, they had on there that $4 trillion had been wiped out as the stock market plummets, but yet I couldn't find the numbers in American news anywhere. So... On top of the simple fact that we had uh, the Super Bowl news in the beginning of the week and, and all that kind of stuff, 
But ladies and gentlemen, this week, uh, if you didn't have your eyes on Syria and Turkey and Israel, um, you missed out on a whole lot that directly affects your immediate future. Uh, things are just spiraling out of control. And the American media, uh, you look on it, and once again, um, it's just amazing. And the level of uh, fake news has uh, begun to uh, startle a lot of people because we all know about the big uh, Hawaii incident but I guess they're having pro uh, problems everywhere. Uh, right here is the headline from the Washington Post. False alarms highlight weakness in national alert system. Uh, they had one in Connecticut uh, that said there was a monster tsunami heading toward the Connecticut coast. It's completely fake. So... Ladies and gentlemen, there's a point where the American people are going to be so turned around as to what is actually happening. It's off the charts. Let me give you another example. Okay, U.S. court overthrows verdict on Arab banks' Hamas support. And what I'm saying is real. The Arab bank committed an act of international terrorism by knowingly providing material support to Hamas. Now, your own State Department ruled in 1997 that Hamas was, in fact, a terrorist organization. You cannot get around that simple fact. You can't. So you scratch your head and you're like, well, what's going on here? I mean, everything that was done is correct. Now, the problem is, is that behind the scenes, in August 2015, 11 months after the verdict the Arab bank had reached a, a confidential settlement with the 527 victims or relatives of victims of uh, the 22 of the attacks. So uh, let me get this. This is out in the open. This is exactly what this article states. Eleven months after the verdict, the Arab bank went and paid off all the victims or relatives, and because of that, another U.S. court overturns the decision, say, no, it's all right. Tell me, ladies and gentlemen, do you feel safe now? I wonder how much cash it took to shut up those 527 victims or relatives of victims. And Clinton's made himself perfectly clear. I mean, the amount's really irrelevant. I mean, if we need 50 billion, 100 billion, no problem. They just they just print it. But ladies and gentlemen, you should be worried. Because your justice system, as a matter of fact, there is no debate. Your justice department is for sale. The U.S. Supreme Court system is, in fact, for sale. 
Now, if I'm telling you, and this is the first time you've heard it, you've been entertained to death. Because if the Arab Bank wants to fund Hamas to set up a nuke in New York City, the only thing that you need to be concerned about is the dollar amount. The Department of Justice is... Uh, ladies and gentlemen, don't you understand what that means? It means your life is for sale. That being said, Clinton, you have the mic. You know, unless uh, you've been buried under a rock and you probably haven't missed what's happened in the market this last week. And it's weird because I think I started last week's episode the same exact way. It's, it's insane to watch what's going on. Now, we've explained to you what was going to happen before it happened. And if you haven't you know, woken up, if you haven't taken the red pill to realize what's really going on, then pay attention because – there's a, there's a design to all of this. They, they orchestrate everything and they control everything. And you can see it because, well, you got to tell your buddies what's going on before you do it. We, we told you two weeks ago that there was going to be a market crash. And part of the reason was because the state and local governments are going to pull their money out of the stock market and put it in bonds. We told you this. And then it happened. And the market crashes and everyone is freaking out and they don't know what to do and they're blaming interest rates. Even though the Fed didn't raise interest rates. You know, we recently just had Janet Yellen step down and Jerome Powell step in. But what did we tell you was going to happen when that transition occurred? You, you think back into November when we talked about when Jerome Powell was picked as the new Fed chairman when, and when Donald Trump chose him. The only difference between him and Jenny Yellen was he was in favor of deregulating the banks. That was the only difference. It's not that he wanted to raise interest rates to a point that, you know, it affected the economy. No, their whole plan was they were going to raise interest rates so that way when the next financial crisis, crisis happens, they could then drop interest rates because, well, that's the only thing they can do. You know, but when you take in consideration that Jerome Powell is actually for deregulation of the banks, and you understand that the banks have massive amounts of reserves that they can't touch. You know, those reserves are kept there to cover their losses on their bets. Well, if you don't have access to that money, you can't then use that money to bet. And we're in an issue right now where the stock market's going down. We are in an issue where this is going to continue. If you, if you listen to the talking heads, and, and obviously if you listen to them over the last two weeks, you know that they're lying to you. I mean, I think I made that very clear last week when I said they are going to lie to you. Then the market crashed <laughs> 10% into correction area this last week. And they continued lying to you every day saying, oh, this is normal you know, this thousand point drop on, you know, is, is normal because it's only a percentage. It's not a massive percentage. It's only a, a point record that was set. You know, don't worry about the, the fact that it was down 1,600 points at one point in one day. Ignore the fact that the plunge protection team jumped in almost every single day this week 
to raise the markets. I mean, how else do you explain an 800-point move in 20 minutes? The market does not work that way. It never has. Well, I take that back. The only time it ever has is when the government interjects money into the system. That is the only time it works that way. You've seen it this last week. We told you it was going to happen this last week. It happened. And what do they tell you? Buy. Buy stocks. It's the perfect time to get into the market because you're going to be a millionaire. You know, someone showed me that they got an email saying, now is the greatest time to buy Bitcoin because you're going to be the next millionaire. <laughs> um, yeah. I'm sorry I didn't mean to, to laugh, but that ship has sailed. Just like the ship has sailed for what the market is today. You know, if you truly believe that the market is going to go up, then go ahead and purchase. But what, what do we know? Well, they, they, they shut down the government. An hour later, they reopen the government, you know, passing a, a two-year budget that's going to spend, you know, $300 billion, which is a fraction of what Donald Trump wants. I mean, billion for infrastructure when he wanted $1.5 trillion? I mean, what kind of bait and switch is that? But supposedly we have the government funded for two years. That's awesome. You know, we, we don't have to worry about these shutdowns anymore or – or, or, or do we? You know, it's, it's not, uh, not known that people actually don't realize that they only funded it until March 23rd. After March 23rd, this temporary extension that they created, they have to come up with a two-year plan. So they're still going to work on this. And then in March of 2019, they still have to deal with the debt ceiling. So this whole issue with funding the government for two years. We don't have to worry about that for two years. They're lying to you. How, how, you know, I, I feel like I'm a re repeating myself saying over and over again, they're lying to you. You know, this, this last stock market crash, you know, and the reason we say it's a crash is because it's already in the correctionary. It's always lost 10%. You know, Matthew said he couldn't find the numbers of what had fallen. And well, you know, this is, <laughs> February 9th, so that was yesterday when this article was printed from CNN Money, that pointed out that $2.5 trillion in value from just the S&P 500 was lost. Just one index last week. That also equated to $5.2 trillion in global stocks evaporated. Poof. Gone. So, you know, good thing you listened to the people on the TV that told you to buy. Good thing you, you know, took a second mortgage on your house to buy the stock because you're going to be a millionaire, you know, because everyone's making money. I mean, that's what they, they teach you. That's what they tell you, right? Oh, but, you know, I mean, you, you can go into, into treasury bills, you know, the government debt. You can go into that. Well, right now it's low. And the rates are going to continue to go up because, well, we're going to spend all this money, you know, on bonds, you know, to, to make it so people can buy our debt so we can then fund everything that we're going to spend for our money. You know, that, that's the plan. I mean, you, you don't spend $30 billion or $1.5 or whatever Donald Trump wants to spend without going into more debt. And you have to sell that to the public. And, and the only way you can get the public to buy it is if you pay money to them. And right now those rates are low and people are still going into them. But – <laughs> they anticipate those rates going up, which means it's going to be more expensive for the government to fund these projects that they just funded. So this budget deficit, this, this 
budget that they're trying to approve is a facade. That the money is it's going to be more expensive. You know, and if they do have inflation that kicks in, the value of your dollar goes down. It's going to be more expensive. You're going to need more money. So, yeah, they, they can pretend, but this is not necessarily going to lead in any direction that we actually want it to head. We know that things are headed down. I mean, you can, you can pretend and, and say, okay, things are going to go up. I mean, it's not like uh, the, the stock market has gone up, you know, what was it, $6 trillion since Donald Trump been in office? You know, something outrageous to happen in one year. It's not like they're actually inflating it. And, you know, that the Dow is still, after this drop this last week, 36% up when Donald Trump took office. You know, it's, it's not a trick that you bring something up to bring it down. I mean, that's just how the Fed has already done it. And, and the reason that I say the Fed has already done this is because, well, that's kind of how this is set up, is if you don't understand the history of the Fed, I mean, the Fed is the one that has created this whole system that we have. If the Fed wants to make it to where things are going to be difficult on people, they, they make a system and they put it in place to do so. If you're going to allow the banks to grow and take over or stimulate commie or prop things up, you do it through the Fed. I mean, that is... That is how it's set up. And the only way that you're going to make it so that way the banks are going to have the political capital to be deregulated is if we have a financial shock. And that's done through the Fed. That is what's going on now. They already told you what their move they're going to make. They already made their move when we started seeing this correction. And this correction is not just going to go away in a day. They, they never do. They never go away in two days. They always last for a period of time. I mean, if you're watching the, the VIX, you know, which actually monitors risk in the market, I mean, I think on Thursday alone it jumped 20%. I mean, we're, we're reaching levels that are just incredible to the point that they are already implying that they anticipate another sell-off coming and they anticipate at least a 5% loss over the next two weeks. You know, it's only, it's only a 25% chance of this, you know, 25% chance that we're going to lose 5% of the market in the next two weeks. But we lost 10% this last week. So, again, that's conservative. But that's what they're releasing. And, and this is not just something that's just make-believe. You know, this is based off of a theory by Martin Novak who is a mathematical biologist out of Harvard. Now, the, the theory is basically the economic cycle of trust. And what he has on here is some economists, specifically Martin Novak, a mathematical biologi biologist at Harvard, believes that the market moves in cycles of cooperation. When everyone works together for a common goal, we get rich. When bad actors realize they can gain the system and start misbehaving, Trust breaks down, and suddenly everyone is snipping at everyone else. The market becomes riskier until cooperation is seen as the only remedy. Then the cycle starts again. For years, the entire world has been co coordinating its interest rates policies, uh, working together to ensure a uniform, gradual pull for money around the world. 
But as growth takes hold, bringing inflation with it, central banks will have to start looking out for themselves. If inflation in the United States does pick up faster than expected, and the Federal Reserve decides to raise interest rates based on the health of our domestic economy alone, not looking at the rest of the world, that will shift the gradual pull of financial universe. For central banks, saving the world from getting sucked into a deflationary pull by keeping rates low is no longer their singular concern. It's every man for themselves. So basically, if you look at what happened in 2008, we were stuck in a deflationary cycle. The banks basically were given a bunch of money from the U.S. government to use as a bailout to make sure that they pulled the world out of this deflationary cycle. If you want to know what deflationary cycle is, look at Japan. They're stuck in it. Um, so the whole world was basically stuck in this. The banks were trying to pull us out of it. Well, now, because the system is, well, misbehaving, people, banks have gotten greedy. The money has been cycled directly to the top and no one else has any money. So the velocity of money is as low as it has ever been. Well, now they're misbehaving. Now the system is broken. Now they're to the point that deflation is taken over again. And these banks are going to be out for themselves. I mean, you know, when you looked at 2008, we had a massive sell-off of banks. And banks were closing like crazy. And, and part of the reason was because, well, the, the mom and pops, the independent uh, banks, they couldn't compete with the bigger banks. They couldn't sustain the losses that these bigger banks were having. Well, that's part of the system. You know, divide and conquer, take out your competition. Bigger banks then, you know, have more of market share. I mean, that's just how it works. Well, we see this same cycle repeating itself. You know, just in 12 months from June 2017 to June 2016, there were 1,700 banks that closed. Now, this is the biggest decline on record. Now, the, these numbers accelerated in the second half of 2017, but we haven't got those data, that data yet. Now, to give you an idea, banks like Capital One, they cut 32% of the branches. SunTrust cut 22% of the branches. And Regions Financial Corp cut 12% of the branches. So these banks, even the large ones, are dropping. And they're, they're cutting branches as, you know, as fast as the smaller ones did back in 2008. Now, when this shock continues which, yeah, the, the shock is going to continue because it's designed this way. You have to have everyone going, wow, the market is falling apart. They're going to blame it on the regulations on the banks and say that the United States banks cannot compete with the rest of the world because of these restrictions. They said they were going to do this in the fall. We talked about this in the fall, and we told you it was going to happen in February when Jerome Powell got into position. Now you see it happening. This is exactly what they told you was going to happen. It's no secret. So as this crisis continues, as this sell-off continues, or this, as all the pundits on TV say, this, this market correction, which is you know, normal and nothing to worry about, as this continues, you're going to see more of a push to say that these banks need to be de deregulated, that part of the issue is because the banks cannot prop things back up, plain and simple. And then you have this issue going across the, the globe. I mean, Matthew talked about how the, the bank was being 
you know, looked into for fraudulent activity. Well, we also have an issue with the European bank uh, that, uh, you know, Rabobank, that was actually fined by the U.S. government $369 million for basically money laundering, you know, from the Mexican cartels. You know, the Mexican cartels would go into California, deposit the money in there, and then they would pull the money out somewhere else. I mean, this is becoming more and more common. I mean, HSBC was fined, you know, $1.92 billion for the same thing earlier. And plus, this same bank, this RoboBank, which is a Dutch bank, was fined for this in 2006 and 2008. The, the, the problem is you can find these banks, but they're making more money off of doing the illegal activity than actually the fines. So it doesn't do any good to continue with the fines, but it makes it look good on the public spectrum because, well, okay, that sounds like a lot of money. Well, you can find them $369 million, but if they made $1.2 billion, it doesn't, it, it doesn't matter. You know, so you see what I'm saying? So this is continuing on. But the point that I'm trying to make is this, this U.S. government – that is finding a Dutch bank. So when Matthew talked about this trade war with European banks or European Union talking about they're not going to allow or put sanctions on the United States if the Iranian deal comes through, that is all part of it, is we have this issue between different banks going on, and it's going to be dog-eat-dog. You know, we saw it in 2008 when the United States started cutting interest rates. And or they started, yeah, and, and basically printing more money with all these uh, bailouts that they had. And the rest of the world had to continue lowering the value of their dollar so they could sell goods to us. We played this game with them. Now they see that we're about ready to play it again, and they aren't happy with it. They don't want to play. I mean, China and Russia have already made it to where they are known that they're pulling out. They are not within the system anymore is going to accelerate in Venezuela. We talked about this before, but on February 20th is when the Petro actually goes on sale. And Venezuela is pushing OPEC to either create a cryptocurrency backed by OPEC oil or, in essence, kind of use exactly what the Petro is out of Venezuela. So this currency war, this thing that's developing across the globe, this is just the beginning. This is how, how else do I put this? That some economists are saying that this correction is going to possibly be up to 50%. Now, that's a very, very drastic change in our world. If the stock market, if the Dow drops from 24,000 to 12, that's a very drastic correction. But there needs to be a shock to the system if they're going to somehow deregulate the banks to allow the banks to get to their reserves. That's the whole point of the system. We, we know that they did part of it through the tax plan. You know, they, they cut the corporate tax rates from 35 to 20% to free up all this money that the corporations had. They allowed all this money from overseas, all these U.S. dollars overseas to come to the United States at a discounted tax bracket, bracket on purpose to bring all this money back to the United States because the rest of the world is not using it. Now, the last phase is to allow the banks to access their money because they need to spend this money. They need to buy as many assets as they can before the dollar is gone, in the best way I can put it. We are in an economic war. We're in a currency war with the rest of the world. 
And if you really think that China and Russia and the BRICS nations are going to go down without a fight, well, then you haven't ever studied history. You haven't understood the, the pride that, for instance, the Chinese government and the Chinese people have and how they're not necessarily going to back down. They, they don't need to at this point. They, they have Russia on their side. The same reason Assad doesn't need to back down. He has Russia and Iran on their side. Assad. President Obama wanted to take Assad out of power. Now Trump wants to take Assad out of power. He may say otherwise, but his actions are completely different. And then you have what's happening by Israel today. Today. I mean, there's some kind of drone that came over from Syria that got involved in an Iranian fighter jet got shot down, or, or Israeli fighter jet got uh, Israeli fighter jet got shot down, and then in retaliation, Israel goes in and bombs 12 locations inside Syria, eight locations supposedly by that were Syrian, and four locations that were supposedly Iranian. Now, this escalation, the timing is unique, is interesting. We, we just had this super blood blue moon that appeared. Ten days later was yesterday, which there was a sign that appeared. And then this bombing occurs as well. So this escalation that's happening in Israel is something we have to watch because it is getting crazy with everything that's happening in the Middle East. And, and I know Matthew and Brian are going into more detail on that, but everything that's happening is important. And it's very important to watch what's going on. But our focus is going to be put on our money because, well, everyone watches that. You know, we're, we're taught to save for our retirement. We're taught to, you know, buy a house and then sell it so you can buy a bigger house and pay off your bills. And, and, and that whole system, we're taught to do that. And it makes it easy to manipulate people when they're taught to watch something and then you drastically change it or affect it and everyone's looking at it. You know, watch my right hand as my left hand does the action. I mean, you take in consideration, for instance, this whole dreamer thing. And, and yeah, they have until, you know, March to figure this out. And, you know, they're working on some kind of bipartisan deal. But there was something that just this struck me odd. And it was an article out of Breitbart, which normally I don't read that, that publication, but this one struck me. And basically, the, the plan that's coming out is to allow DREAMers to stay in the United States if they enroll in the military. Okay, on its surface, that sounds like a, an admirable resolution. That sounds like something very important to pursue. But it's a gateway. I mean, if, if we're truly going to be going to war, and every indication says maybe that already started, then our military recruitment has to increase. You take your low-lying fruit first. You want to be a citizen of this country. Here's your entrance. Join the military. We're going to ship you over to Syria. <laughs> it's too logical. It makes sense. It's just like, you know, when, when Donald Trump says he's going to drain the swamp, he's going to, you know, gut everything, get rid of all the bad eggs. We see people like crazy saying they're not going to run for re-election. They're not going to, you know, continue their term. They're going to resign. You know, I think the, the third person or the number three person from the Department of Justice resigned this last week. 
So everyone in this administration is leaving. Part of the draining of the swamp is happening. And, and the reason that I say this is, is we're going to have a shock, not only from the economy showing its true colors and the people looking at the market and seeing it be under a massive correction, but we're also expecting an announcement on Monday from President Trump talking about, well, this new program where he is going to revamp the federal workers, you know, basically to where, you know, it's no longer based on, you know, longevity or, you know, tenure or being there for a while. It's going to be based off a reward of the best. You know, I mean, if you're great, you get to keep your job. If you don't, they're going to fire you. You know, no longer is it going to be that you've been there for 20 years, you should be able to retire. No, it's not going to happen. They're going to change that. And we're expecting that announcement on Monday. And what they're, the, the key points to it is they plan on making it easier to hire and fire. Um, they also are going to make it more flexible and easier to move employees. Like just kind of like, you know, like in the military, you know, you have no choice. You are moving here if you want your job. And then also rehiring retirees. And their plan is that they want to actually transform the, the whole system, bring in younger people, get rid of some of the older people, and then move them around to different locations that they have. Now, they plan on having this put together in a three-year system, but what's going to happen is this is going to shock a lot of people. This is going to cause a lot of people to worry about their personal well-being. And if that's going to impact the economy, yeah. People, whenever they are happy, they tend to buy more things. The velocity of money goes up when they have more money and if they feel more comfortable spending with it. If they don't feel comfortable and they don't have a lot of money, they don't spend it, the velocity of money goes down, the engine of our economy slows down, and it doesn't work. That is what we are encountering. That is where we are headed. And these, these plans put together are showing that we're only on the tip of this. So, yeah, listen to the announcers on TV saying it's a great buying opportunity. You know, listen to the announcers on TV who says this is normal correction. Don't worry about it. And when the market goes down 1,600 points and then goes back up within minutes, and when you see a correction of 800 points in 20 minutes, that's normal. Just, just believe whatever they tell you because they're not going to show you the truth because they don't necessarily want you to know the truth because they don't want you to freak out. If you truly knew the situation that the United States government is in, that the United States is in, from a global standpoint, oh, wait, that's why we're here. That's why we're telling you, is we're showing you what situation we're truly in. And this is just the beginning, guys. Now, you know, I, I know that I'm not going as, as long as I normally go, but there's one other thing that I just want to touch on. You know, we, we talked about this, the, the, the Olympics, you know, starting up just recently. There was an earthquake that appeared just about 100 miles south of the Olympic Center, which is kind of odd, you know, and some people are like, well, that timing is, is unique. Well, timing is always unique. It seemed like 24 hours before the Olympics opened up, for some reason, there was an outbreak of neurovirus. And it was started with the security detail to the point that 41 security guards suffered this sudden onset, you know, and, you know, neurovirus causes you to vomit and have massive diarrhea and, and, you know, you just can't go anywhere. Well, 
replacement is basically they, they took out 1,200 security officers and they replaced them with the military. So they brought in 900 military officers to replace the security guards because of this neurovirus outbreak. So you can read between the lines, but the timing is just very, very interesting with this. So I'll go ahead and hand it back over to you, Matthew. Very interesting coverage there, you know, ladies and gentlemen. Um, Let me say something. It's a perfect opportunity to um, sell. Because at this present moment, your government is willing to buy those stocks. And if you can't see the clear lines being drawn here in the sand that uh, they completely intend to crash it, well, just wait for a brighter day, I guess. As far as a brighter day, boy, what interesting news we've had here lately. In Portland, it was uh, published dead crows were falling from the sky in northwest Portland. We've had dozens of starving seabirds uh, dropped off at uh, Nelson's Nature Land Wildlife Trust. Uh, You got that right. New Zealand, uh, Australia... This has been reported lots of different places that, uh, yeah, the seabirds are starving to death. Now, something a little bit more alarming caught my attention this week. A ripple of Roman starlings falling from the sky. Now, this is directly from the article. The flocks of starlings that create choreographed patterns in the skies of Rome have mysteriously lost their aplomb, with hundreds falling to their deaths after colliding with each other. Yes, I like how they use that word there, aplomb, expecting (laughs) Uh, people in Italy to know what that meant. And of course they would, but people here would not. But, ladies and gentlemen, since when do starlings run into each other? Uh, Colliding... Uh, killing themselves. Ladies and gentlemen, no matter what you think, that is not normal. It's not. It's absolutely not normal. But we've had serious problems in the news this week like Uh, Authorities in India are investigating the death of more than 100 protected sulfur-crested cockatoos this week. We also had problems with peacocks being found dead in India. And they got nervous, so they uh, wanted to, uh, well, go to drastic measures to make sure nothing was being spread. But this just keeps coming up. Uh, Thousands of fish 
started floating in Tempe Lake town. It, it's it's it, just the photos are just amazing. Hundreds of dead fish floating in the area of Harrison's Island. And and I can just go on and on and on. In the area of Cambridge, 80 rotting fly-riddled fish were heaped along the edges recently. And a handful of wild ducks had died in the locality too. It's it's all over the news if you choose to look for it. Now, what amazes me with this three hundred billion spending bill that's passed, well that's not even gonna cover the damages from the natural disasters last year, which was three hundred and six billion. So that number of three hundred billion that Clinton told us about, that's an absolute joke. That's a joke. Consider this. This was released this week. That January 18, Alaska had its highest temperature ever of 67 degrees Fahrenheit, while Minnesota achieved a temperature of minus 40 degrees Fahrenheit, and they deemed that to be colder than Mars. But yet everything's normal. Record snow hits Japan, killing seven and trapping over 1,400 in vehicles. But everything's normal. You know, it was funny when I was watching the weather patterns over the northern hemisphere. They were issuing warnings as there were sudden stratospheric temperature changes. And when I watched the live animation of the map, it absolutely scared me. Of course, Brian and I told you, I believe it was back in 2011 when it was released, that the stratosphere had collapsed 24%. Ladies and gentlemen, you know, you talk about being in a state of uneasiness, that this is just absolutely off the charts. This week, the California legislators' widening sexual misconduct scandal now includes allegations against a Democratic lawmaker, uh, Christina Garcia, known for her fierce advocacy on women's issues, including an anti-sexual harassment movement called Me Too. Well, they busted her. You know, this Weinstein effect is really taking hold. Having serious problems in Israel as the Knesset has received 
24 resignation letters since the last elections. Now, some utilize the new Norwegian law uh, to allow a Knesset member uh, to replace a minister resigning from the Knesset, but a whopping 13 resigned due to personal, political, or public reasons. I mean, wow. Brian and I sometimes talk about the dark web. This caught my attention because it was released in Israeli news that a new technique uh, that beats information security measures like air gaps and metal-lined Faraday cages was demonstrated by Israeli cyber researchers who named the project Houdini, after the escape artist Harry Houdini, and I saw right through it. I knew exactly what the researchers, why the Israeli cyber researchers had named the project that, because, well, I could see things in Hebrew, ladies and gentlemen, and that is directly... From Psalm 9, verse 4. Ladies and gentlemen, something very bad is coming. If the Israelis were making research projects named after that particular word in that particular verse in the Bible, they're clearly telling the Israeli citizens the reason why they were conducting the research. The rise of nationalism is getting pretty bad. At this point, I do understand it. Was released uh, that an ad campaign in Jerusalem uh, against certain employment practices hit the headlines. The ads read, business owner, do you have an employee who expresses joy at the murder of Jews? Are you unsure about his intentions? Legally, he cannot be fired. That is racism. You have to employ a worker even if he endangers your life. This from the J-Post this week. Does Trump make nuclear world war more likely? Ladies and gentlemen. This week's break is going to be the first part. Will be news from the Big Wobble. My friend Gary. And then afterward, I think I shall do a shout out to my friend Johnny that has 
established an area down there for the Lord Jesus Christ in the land down under. A gift. Johnny, I shall present unto you the riddle of the iron pillar. Have fun. You are listening to the End Time Tribune. We'll be back in 12 minutes and 55 seconds. The news this week from the Big Wobble. On Friday, a magnitude 6.0, 265 kilometers northeast of Scott Island Bank, Antarctica, was yet another major quake on the Pacific Rim. It was the 13th major quake this year, and we are just into February, and all of them, except three, I believe, were along the Ring of Fire. Add to that this week, Mexico's most active volcano, Popocatepetl, exploded an ash column higher than a mile into the sky, and the Guatemala colossus, Volcan de Fuego, fire volcano, spewed an ash tower 1.7 kilometers into the sky and less than 50 kilometers from 3 million people. We can certainly safely testify the ring of fire is still extremely unsettled with 11 volatile active volcanoes. And just this morning it was reported that the outflow of lava is at 2 million cubic meters per day and heading towards Legaspi City and Daraga Town as Mount Mayon, volcano of the Philippines, remains at an extremely dangerous level. And on Wednesday, the Pacific Ring of Fire, Vanuatu Island, the volcano Gawa rumbled back to life in the South Pacific Ocean. And it was reported Tuesday more than 400 aftershocks have rattled the Gulf of Alaska after the powerful and magnitude 7.9 rocked Kodiak Island on Tuesday, with many of the aftershocks significant and some in the mid-five magnitude. And spare a thought for the Aussies as a severe heat wave in South Australia this week with incredible temperatures in some areas nudging 50 degrees Celsius, 122 degrees Fahrenheit. Now to the other end of the crazy scale, it should be 20 degrees centigrade, but a rare snowstorm hits the Saudi Arabian desert days after Morocco in North Africa saw minus 7 degrees Celsius with heavy snow and also heavy snow close by in Algeria, also in North Africa. In just two years time, the world will have lost two thirds of all wild animals. This amazing statistic from the Living Planet Index claims the number of wild animals living on Earth is set to fall by two thirds by 2020, according to the new report part of a mass extinction that is destroying the natural world upon which humanity depends. The analysts, the most comprehensive to date, 
indicates that an animal populations plummeted by 58% between 1970 and 2012, with losses on track to reach 67% by 2020. So it should come as no shock or surprise to read that kangaroo numbers are the latest animal to be diminishing by an unsustainable amount. In the 12 months between 2016 and 2017, nearly 4 million kangaroos have died in Australia from a mystery disease. Millions of kangaroos are being wiped out down under by a mystery disease that causes massive hemorrhages and internal bleeding. And another tipping point breached this week as the monarch butterfly has a 95% decline since the 1980s in North America and Mexico. The latest tally of 200,000 monarchs in forested groves in California's central coast has dropped from 1.2 million counted two decades ago indicating the number of butterflies found west of the Rocky Mountains or the so-called western population continues to sharply decline. There's no doubt about it folks, Earth has crossed its tipping point. In 1970 when researchers started tracking the decline of the species they were roughly half the people on Earth as there is now. We will hit 8 billion people within the next 8 years, by which time, in my opinion, it's game over. Because I sincerely believe most of the animals will be gone by then. Well, on that sombre, sad note, I will uh, stop. Uh, I wish you all well. Thank you all for watching and listening. And hopefully I'll see you all next week. Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 4 Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you prophet to the nations. Then said I, O Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, for I am a youth. But the Lord said to me, Do not say, I am a youth, for you shall go to all whom I send you, and whenever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of their faces, for I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. Then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth, and the Lord said to me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. See, I have this day set you over the nations and over the kingdoms to root down and to pull out, to destroy and to throw down, to build and to plant. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Jeremiah, what do you see? And I said, I see the branch of an almond tree. And the Lord said to me, You have seen well, for I am ready to perform my words. Then the word of the Lord came to me the second time, saying, What do you see? And I said, I see a boiling pot, and it is facing away from the north. Then the Lord said to me, Out of the north calamity shall break forth, 
on all the inhabitants of the land. For behold, I am coming, and all the families of the kingdom of the north says to the Lord, They shall come, and each one set his throne at the entrance of the gates of Jerusalem, against all its walls all around, and against all the cities of Judah. I will utter my judgment against them who concern all their wickedness, because they have forsaken me, burned incense to other gods, and worshipped the works of their own hands. Therefore, prepare yourself, and rise, and speak to them all that I command you. Do not be dismayed before their faces, lest I dismay you before them. For behold, I have made you this day a fortified city and an iron pillar, and bronze walls against the whole land, against the kings of Judah, against its princes, against its priests, against the people of the land. They will fight against you, and they shall not prevail against you. For I am with you, says the Lord, to deliver you. Chapter 52 of Jeremiah, verse 12. Now on the fifth month, on the tenth day of the month, which was the nineteenth year of Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, Nebuzaradan, the captain of the guard, who served the king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem. He burned the house of the Lord and the king's houses, all the houses of Jerusalem, that is, all the houses of the great. He burned with fire. And all the army of the Chaldeans, who were with the captain of the guard, broke down all the walls of Jerusalem all around. Then Nebuzaradan, the captain of the guard, carried away some of the poor people, the rest of the people who remained in the city, the defectors who had deserted the king of Babylon, the rest of the craftsmen. But Nebuchadnezzar, the captain of the guard, left some of the poor of the land as vine dressers and farmers. The bronze pillars that were in the house of the Lord and the cart, and the bronze sea that were in the house of the Lord, the Chaldeans broke into pieces and carried all their bronze to Babylon. They also took away the pots, the shovels, the trimmers, the bowls, the spoons, and all the bronze utensils with which the priests ministered, the basins, the fry pans, the bowls, the pots, the lampstands, the spoons, the cups, whatever was solid gold, and whatever was solid silver, the captain of the guard took away. The two pillars, one sea, the twelve bronze bowls which were under it, and the carts which King Solomon had made for the house of the Lord, the bronze of all these articles was beyond measure. Now concerning the pillars, the height of one pillar was 18 cubits, and the measuring line of 12 cubits could measure its circumference, and its thickness was four fingers, and it was hollow. The capital of bronze was on it, and the height of one capital was five cubits, with a network of pomegranate all around the capital, all of bronze. The second pillar with pomegranate was the same. There were 96 pomegranates on both sides. All the pomegranates all around on the network were 100. Revelation chapter 3, verse 7. 
And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, These things says he who is holy, he who is true, he who has the key of David, he who opens and no one shuts, and shuts and no one opens. I know your work. See, I have set before you an open door, and no one can shut it, for you have a little strength, and have kept my word, and have not denied my name. Indeed, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan who say they are Jews, and are not but lie. Indeed, I will make them come and worship before your feet, and to know that I have loved you, because you have kept my command to persevere. I also will keep you from the hour of trial, which shall come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. Behold, I am coming quickly. Hold fast what you have, that no one may take your crown. He who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go out no more. I will write on him the name of my God, and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem which comes down out of heaven from my God, and I will write on him my new name. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to this week's edition of the End Time Tribune. It's good to be with you this week. Well, Brian, it is your time to take the mic. It's all yours. And this is where we, uh, you know, I was going to take a different route as it hit me in the last few minutes. I needed to take me a look to see, you know, we bring this up time and time again that entertaining oneself to death. So, you know, as it was brought up, I didn't even know the Super Bowl was last weekend until about the last minute when my wife brought it up in some conversation about funny commercials. And, you know, I just had to go and do a check in light of every single thing of massive importance that happened this week that was just completely overlooked by most in the American circles. Sure enough, type it in the search engine, put it down to one week, typed in Illuminati Super Bowl halftime show. Oh, folks, have yourself a good chuckle and then stop and realize when you look at the names of the websites that are posting these things, you see, that's what they think is important. Wake up. I mean, really. Start taking a look around. Things have gotten serious. You know, there was a question that was posed on one of our social network uh, postings this week about what, what if you've dedicated all this time to proving it's the end times and it's not? Okay, I'm going to say it again. You better take a step back. You better look around. Because just the developments this week alone are rather frightening on that level. For me, they're not. I'm tired of this nonsense. The stock market alone proved that this week. You know, why was it that I kind of... um stepped aside a couple weeks ago to make sure that Clinton got everybody to understand what was happening here 
with the bonds in the stock market and what was right around the corner. Well, as I stated before, we need to really be watching for massive financial rumblings coming by March. End of January, beginning of February, we've already seen massive hits. They approved the new budget this week, which is going to add trillions of dollars into the deficit. Nobody sees a problem with that. And yet, that's all directly correlated with the bond situation. Massive, massive, massive increase in military spending. But on top of it, nobody seemed to really mention hardly at all um, some of the newspapers that are in actual paper print still that released had it like on a 38th page in a little tiny subheading about the nuclear, um, I believe it's called the Posture Review, on basically nuclear policy, where the first draft was stating, well, we can preemptively strike anybody we want with nuclear weapons in a case of be it this, that, or the other thing, including a cyber attack. So America's telling people we can now strike people if they send a cyber attack on us with a nuclear weapon. You see, this is sending a very rough message at this point in history in the world when we see all the rumblings that we do. I mean, folks, do you not realize that NATO has basically built an anti-missile defense system all the way across Russia's border? You see, you've got to understand something here. Their whole mindset about winning a nuclear war is first strike capability. A nation cannot strike back when they're surrounded by anti-missile defense systems. And if you haven't noticed, the United States has been selling them to everybody across the board. And you see, all this spending goes into the military. And yet... Nobody thinks this might be a bit of a problem because we know full-scale wars on the horizon here. And if you haven't been paying attention to the Middle East this week, let alone the last 24 hours alone should be enough to rattle people's cages. But it wasn't the beginning. You see, we had the situation with the Israeli fighters striking multiple targets inside of Syria, 12 Syrian, I can't remember the exact number, I believe it was four Iranian sites because of a drone that was intercepted in Israeli territory, or that's how the story goes. That's the problem. We don't know the facts on the ground yet as far as this drone is concerned, if it even happened. Why do I say this? Because Israel has been striking near Damascus, nonstop throughout this week. There were two separate major reports that came out about these strikes near Damascus. On top of it, making matters worse, pro-Assad Syrian forces got into a tangle with U.S. forces this week. Turkey is still in and bombing the living daylights out of Afrin, Rojava, the area where the Kurdish population is set up. Helicopter was shot down today. There's reports of 
pretty heavy losses going on on the Turkish side that have been filtering forward into the news nonstop here. Turkey's been striking spots in Syria as well. Now, both places, or I mean in Iraq, now both Iraq and Syria have warned time and time again that if you violate our airspace, this is an act of war, and yet they keep doing it. Folks, you need to understand Erdogan's mindset. The nationalism that is going on there and this pan-Ottoman empire that he wants to set back up where he's essentially the ruler over the top of an Islamic nation. Not much different than, well, we've all heard that name Caliphate dropped all over the news after the Islamic State flared up. That's what his goals are. You know, to give you a rundown, this is an article that came out earlier in the week. Tillerson sees tough talks with Turkey, others on Mideast trip. This is out of Reuters. And when you go through the rundown of this, this gives you a real, real interesting uh, oversight of what's going on in the Middle East right now. U.S. Secretary of State Rex Tillerson expects to have tough talks during a five-nation trip of the Middle East next week, including Turkey, where he will urge leaders to rein in an offensive in northern Syria, U.S. officials said on Friday. Side note, where do you think the American forces are at in Syria, folks? Oh, that's right, northern Syria. Jordanian leaders were upset when the United States recognized Jerusalem as the capital of Israel and suspended some aid for the Palestinians. Why, folks? The Gaza Strip is in the midst of massive economic collapse. We've got the electric situations there on top of it where they can have electricity like once a week if lucky. Okay, moving forward. Tillerson's trip to Cairo where he will meet Egyptian President Abdel Fattah al-Sisi to emphasize joint security cooperation, takes place just as Egypt has launched a major military offensive against militants on the Sinai Peninsula. Why, folks, have they done that? Well, ISIS stuck its head up there, just like there's reports inside of Afghanistan that they've done the very same thing. All right. Egypt also faces a March 26th through 28th election in which Sisi has only a single last-minute challenger who had previously said he supported the incumbent. Now, isn't that ironic? One person running against him. Everybody that tries to run against him, um, little tidbits of things seem to happen that move them out of the race on a continual basis. In Kuwait, Tillerson will attend an Iraq reconstruction conference at which Washington does not plan to contribute any money. Still, he hopes to make headway toward ending a dispute between Qatar, Saudi Arabia, and the United Arab Emirates. Now, I'm going to stop there again for a moment. Iraq. Reconstruction Conference, Washington does not plan to contribute any money. So let me get this straight, folks. 
America can dive into Iraq in 2003 in an unjustified war, bomb the living daylights out of Iraq, and completely decimate and destroy everything, and then say, hee hee, we're not going to pay for any of the destruction in which we've caused. Give me a break. Kuwait has sought to broker an end to the dispute triggered when the United Arab Emirates, along with Saudi Arabia, Bahrain, and Egypt, cut off travel and trade ties with Qatar last June. They accused Qatar of supporting terrorism and their arch-rival Iran. Doha denies the charges and says the countries are trying to curtail its sovereignty. Turkey, a U.S. ally, has launched a military air and ground operation into the Afrin region in northwest Syria, targeting the Kurdish YPG militia despite U.S. objections. United States and Turkey are allies in, the, in NATO, yet they have diverging interests in the Syrian civil war. With Washington focused on defeating Islamic State and Ankara keen to prevent Syria's Kurds from gaining autonomy and fueling Kurdish insurgents on Turkish soil. We are urging them to show restraint in their operations in Afrin and to show further restraint along the line across the borders in northern Syria, a U.S. State Department official told reporters in a conference call. That's going to be a difficult conversation. And this goes on and on and on. See, that gives you a little bit of bullet points as to how serious the situation in the Middle East has become. This was from Wednesday. Israel said to strike targets near Damascus. Serious air defense systems intercepted the, an Israeli air attack on a military position near the capital of Damascus early Wednesday, the Syrian army said. This morning, Israeli warplanes fired several missiles from Lebanese airspace on one of our military positions in the Damascus countryside, said an army statement carried by state media. Our air defense systems blocked them and destroyed most of them. NAMP correspondents in Damascus heard loud blasts around 3.30 a.m. As I said, folks, this has been happening all throughout the week. And as a matter of fact, it's been happening nonstop over and over again throughout the course of the last few years. And hardly anybody talks about it outside of Israeli news. And this is an article that I brought up. You can find this in Transnational Live. This is about the nuclear review that hit. The world's most dangerous document hits the front pages. And nobody's talking about it. Once again this week, and I warned about this over the course of the last couple of weeks, the U.S. is looking for some kind of chemical attack to force justification so that they can lift and raise their hands against Syria again. Multiple reports, this keeps happening over and over again. United States gravely alarmed by reports the Syrian government has used chlorine gas in the Adib province U.S. State Department said in a statement on Monday. And they've already said this is a pretext for them to go in and strike against the Assad regime, folks. 
Syria deploys new air defenses in North. Commander in pro-Assad alliance. Syrian army has deployed new air defenses and anti-aircraft missiles to the front lines in the Aleppo and Adib areas. A commander in the military alliance fighting in support of President al-Assad said Monday. They cover the airspace of the Syrian north, the commander told Reuters, describing the deployment as a message everyone. The air defenses had been set to front lines with militants in rural areas of Aleppo and Aleb. Turkish warplanes have been mounting airstrikes against the northwestern Syrian Kurdish region in Afrin, which is part of the Aleppo province, as a part of a major offensive target Syrian Kurdish YPG fighters. Ahead of the Turkish offensive against Afrin, the Syrian government has threatened to shoot down any Turkish warplanes in Syrian airspace. The U.S.-led coalition against Islamic State also operates in northern Syria. Though some distance from Aleppo city in territory stretching from the city of Manbij to the Iraqi border. Syrian government forces, supported by Iran-backed Shiite militias, are waging an offensive into rebel-held Alib province, which borders the Afrin regions to the west and is the largest chunk of Syria that's still in insurgent hands. We getting a bit of a picture here, folks? I just warned about Didn't I just bring this up about America up there in the north? Now they're putting in missile defense, air defense systems. Turkey's coming in and bombing the living daylights out of the area. The United States has not let up. There's massive uh, reports of casualties, civilian casualties, again this week from American airstrikes. And as I brought up again that pretext that I keep talking about for America to relaunch a war in Syria. Airstrike pounds Syria's last rebel strongholds, gas choked civilians. Warplanes launched heavy attacks on the two last major rebel-held areas in Syria, killing at least 29 people in the Ghouta suburb near the capital and choking people with gas in a lab in the northwest Rescue workers and war monitors said on Monday. Once again, Israel said to strike targets near Damascus. Syrian air defense systems intercepted an Israeli air attack on a military position near the capital of Damascus early Wednesday, the Syrian army said. Now, this one ought to scare the living daylights out of people. And if you can't figure out why, hey, go back and find some of the military, uh, find some of the um, war footage back from World War II. This ought to really start bothering you then. Trump eyes military parade to showcase U.S. might. U.S. President Donald Trump has toyed with the idea of a parade in Washington to showcase American muscle and underscore his role as commander-in-chief since being sworn in. Good grief, folks.
As I pointed out, the clashes between the U.S. and Syria. U.S. dismisses fears of wider war after deadly Syria clashes. U.S. Defense Secretary Jim Mattis dismissed concerns on Thursday that the United States was being dragged into a border conflict in Syria after a major clash with pro-Syrian government forces overnight that may have left 100 or more of them dead. U.S.-led coalition said it repelled an unprovoked attack near the Euphrates River by hundreds of troops aligned with Syrian President al-Assad, who were backed by artillery, tanks, multiple launch rocket systems, and mortars. The incident underscored the potential for further conflict in Syria's oil-rich east, where the U.S.-backed Syrian Democratic Forces Alliance of Kurdish and Arab Militias holds swaths of land after its offensive against Islamic State. Okay, everybody, did you see in there? Okay, oil-rich reason, region, U.S. Arab oil. And I already brought that up. U.S. not planning to contribute money at Iraq Reconstruction Conference. I'll just skip that one for now. Covered that. Lebanon signs offshore drilling deal amid row with Israel. Lebanon Friday signed its first contract to drill for oil and gas off its coast with the consortium compromising energy giants total ENI and Novatech, including a dis- block disputed by Israel. Israel says one of two blocks in the eastern Mediterranean where Lebanon wants to drill for oil belongs to it and last week an- denounced any exploration by Beirut as provocative. President Michael Aoun said at a signing ceremony that Lebanon has entered a new chapter in its history and is now a member of energy-producing countries, looking to tap potential oil and gas reserves after major offshore discoveries by neighboring Israel and Cyprus. The country in December approved a bid on blocks for nine of the ten predefined Lebanon and the five that were subject of the tender. Block nine is the disputed block with Israel. Exploration is set to begin in 2019. French energy giant Total and Italy's INNI each hold a 40% stake in the consortium, and Russia's Novatech has a 20% stake. Total welcomed the deal, saying it stipulates that drilling will take place in at least one well per block in the first three years, and that the consortium's priority will to be drill a first exploration well and block four in 2019. Breaking down the rest of this article, this is giving Israel another pretext for that war that they've been warning about over and over and over again with Lebanon and Hezbollah. This goes back to the story I touched on for a moment. Egypt army announces major operation in the Sinai, closes Gaza border. 
Egypt closed its Rafah border with the Gaza Strip on Friday as its army launched a major operation in the Nile Delta and the northern Sinai Peninsula. Part of persistent Islamic state group insurgency. The head of Hamas, the Islamist group which runs Gaza, was however permitted to travel to Cairo for talks before the border was closed a day earlier than planned. This has been heating up for quite some time, folks, within the Sinai. They have a very difficult time controlling that area, not to even mention as well, well, the infamous canal that runs up and in towards Israel being one of the most important shipping areas out there. They have to keep control of that area. And what's been happening in the Sinai is making that very problematic. Folks, if you go back in history, remember one of the major Israeli wars had everything to do with that whole canal, that whole waterway going past Yemen, Saudi Arabia, bordered on the other side, Africa up into the Sinai. It's a major, majorly important route, and this has got a lot to do with it. <clears throat> Another story that came out this week from the Jerusalem Post. The U.S. sets down roots in Syria and aid work will determine success. Aid work, didn't we just state we're not going to give any money to Iraq after we bombed it to oblivion? Wow. This week, the U.S.-led coalition struck a struck pro- Syrian regime forces that had attacked a base of the Syrian Democratic Forces. The major battle, which lasted all night on February 7, left more than 100 dead of the Assyrian regime. And we covered that already. This article goes more into that, but there's so much more here to cover. Oh, boy. Had one come out from... Pepe Escobar on the soccer.is. China's latest move in the graveyard of empires. Beijing's strategic priority is to prevent ETIM fighters exiled in Afghanistan crossing the Wakhan corridor to carry out operations in Xinjiang, China. Folks, this has everything to do with the Uyghur. Who are the Uyghur? Well, some think they're descendants of the Huns. Others think they're descendants of the Tokarian, who were the infamous uh, great big uh, six and a half to seven foot tall, white hair or red hair, white people found up there by China with their mummies that were completely tattooed across the board. It's about these people time and time and time again. And as a matter of fact, these locations we have talked about over and over and over again. The Wakhan Corridor is also known as the roof of the world. When we did that program on video on the Bands of Time uh, YouTube channel, Wakhan Corridor is one of the most important areas in understanding everything going on there. As far as the kings of the East are concerned, this is another very important topic. 
important article, folks. I would go out there and read this. As a matter of fact, I would advise putting it at the top of your reading list. Essentially, what is going to be happening here is that China's building a military base in the Wakhan Corridor in Afghanistan to stem the movement of terrorists into China. Folks, if you want to disrupt some place that's got a heavy, I don't know, economic move moving forward, well, what's the best way to do that? Send terrorists. Send cartels. I can keep going here. Another one that came out of the soccer. Who is doing what in Syria and why? This goes into explaining everything that is happening, folks, for this massive regional struggle for domination as we speak. You know, I find it ironic that as things were boiling down with the war with Islamic State, they were warning time and time again about this regional struggle. And yet nobody seems to be bringing it up now that it's all playing out in broad daylight. Now he goes on in this article to list who's basically in this great big struggle. Syria, of course, Saudi Arabia, Qatar, the Kurds, Turkey, Iran, Hezbollah, Israel, USA, Russia. Find the article, read it. Explains, I would say, pretty much the vast majority of everything you need to know right now that's excruciatingly important. And out of respect for these, for Pepe and the soccer, that's why I'm not going to read them on air. Analysis, the open war with Iran has begun in the Middle East. This is from Jerusalem Post. It was posted, I believe, this morning. On Monday, Hezbollah will mark the 10th anniversary of the death of Ahmad Munganiyah, its legendary and ruthless military commanders whose absence, according to Israeli intelligence, is still felt today. He was the mastermind of the bombing of the U.S. Marine barracks in Beirut in 1983, as well as attacks against the Israeli embassy in 1992 and the Jewish Community Center in 1994 in Buenos Aires. He was killed in Damascus on February 12th of 2008, just after he finished meeting with some of his Iranian patrons. The Mossad reportedly planted a bomb in the spare tire on the back of his Mitsubishi Jeep. The assassination of Mugunya, as well as countless other operations and targeted killings attributed to Israel, have been going on for years as part of the shadow war between Israel and Iran, and the proxies it funds and operates throughout the Middle East. For the most part, until now, this war has been fought behind the scenes. Who needs to know, knows, and while some details occasionally make their way into the public, Domain, most do not. What happened in northern Israel on Saturday? The beginning of an overt and direct war between Israel and Iran. The infiltration and interception of an Iranian drone over Israel. The downing of an Israeli F-16. And Israel's retaliatory strikes against Syria and Iranian targets that followed are apparently just the opening scenes of a potentially wider conflict that could erupt if Iran continues trying to fortify its presence in the new Syria. This 
was a rather interesting little story. It may not seem to mean much on the surface unless you pay attention. Four killed as militants attack Indian camp in Jammu and Kashmir. State Army. Well, folks, breaking the article down, a base in India was attacked. And who do they think is behind it? Pakistan. Folks, don't forget that India and Pakistan are both nuclear powers, and they have been having all sorts of problems between the two of them nonstop here that have really begun to escalate over the course of the last couple of years. I already covered that. And this is another one that came out today as well. Israel warns Iran and Syria playing with fire in the Arab-Israeli conflict. Israel warned Syria and Iran on Saturday morning that their attempts to escalate, escalate the situation in the north will bring the full force of the IDF upon them. If you had ears to hear, folks, you should have heard some very familiar things in that paragraph. Iran and Syria are playing with fire, the army said in a statement. The IDF acts with determination against the attempt of the Iranian-Syrian attack and the violation of Israeli sovereignty. The IDF is prepared for a variety of scenarios and will continue to act as necessary. little topic before I bring up some of these headlines now, because these are the headlines that popped after this incident happened between Israel and Syria and Iran, breaking uh, into last evening into this morning. Netanyahu is also being brought up on corruption charges, which this has been going on for a very long time. There's even been protests in Israel against his corruption. Well, now the police are bringing forward the charges against him in the middle of everything that's happening right now, folks, between Iran, Syria, Lebanon. And this keeps kind of going. All right, let me see uh, here. Clashes yesterday broke out. At one location on the Israel-Gaza border following calls for day of rage by Palestinian factions. That one didn't hit the regular news. Egypt Army announces major operation. Let's see here. I need to find the... uh, Just give me one moment here because these are all the... uh, Okay, here's the order of events as they started breaking this morning when I first caught this. Israeli F-16 crashes with after Iranian targets attacked in Syria. Israel strikes Iranian targets. Ah, another article out of uh, Reuters today. Investors brace for more swings as U.S. inflation specter rises. Israel downs Iranian drone. I already brought that up. Israel warns Iran and Syria playing with fire. Russia causes is, cautions Israel against striking Russian 
forces in Syria. Hezbollah downed Israeli jet march new strategic phase. Iran rejects reports of Israel downing Iranian drone as ridiculous, says State TV. Pro-Assad alliance in Syria warns of severe response to Israeli attacks. I already touched on that one. Netanyahu, Israel will not allow Iranian entrenchment in Syria. Article that came out of SCMP.com today. Go look this one up. Stock market meltdown. Have we entered the age of inflation? And that's sort of everything summed up. Folks, there's so much happening of utmost importance that is now boiling to its head here in this last week. But this last 24 hours really has lit a fuse. Need to keep a close eye on this, folks. Yeah, that that fuse in the Middle East is just about ready to blow. I mean, we've got... Let's remember, everybody, that the Syrian government... It's the Syrian government. They were elected. They were there. I mean, they were invaded by ISIS... We go to assist in the destruction of ISIS. Now we are precipitating the destruction of the legitimate Syrian government, which we were supposed to be helping. This doesn't bother anybody. F-16s have went down. Uh, This is beginning to be a little bit scary. Let's get uh, Clinton's comments on that Middle East situation going on. Well, I think, uh, you know, Brian laid it out pretty, pretty easily to see kind of everything is blowing up everywhere. I mean, you look at the weird election that's brewing in, in Egypt. You see what's happening between Israel and Hamas and Israel and Hezbollah and Israel and Assad and Israel and Turkey and Israel, everyone. You see these weird things between Saudi Arabia and Israel about, you know, flight patterns being allowed and then they're not being allowed and India and Pakistan where they're both at each other's throats. And then you also have reports that China moved 300,000 troops to the border of North Korea. So, so, I mean, you have that brewing, you have, you know, speculation that, you know, you're going to have numerous countries start to recognize Palestine as its own country, including Japan as one of those countries that they're saying is going to do that here recently. You have this weird kind of build up between Poland and the Holocaust and Israel fighting with Poland over what this new law that's being passed over the Holocaust. I mean, things are getting insane and, and that's just around Israel. That's just around that one little area. And, and, you know, we, we know from 
just scripture in itself. That is, that is our focal point. But, but I want to touch on something that Matthew said earlier where someone's like, what if you spend all this time trying to prove that the, the world is coming to an end and then it, it doesn't? Okay. Well, let me put it to you this way. If we take religion out of it completely, just look at it this way. Your job is in jeopardy because we have automation coming out. We have robots coming out. We have computers. They're going to basically take your job. So we know that that's going to happen in the next five to 10 years. So your world is going to change there by itself. We know that war is coming because if we're not involved in this, it's coming somewhere. And anytime there's war that's coming on a scale that it's going to be, your life is going to change. So even if you don't look at it from the Christian perspective or from the biblical perspective, saying that the world's coming to an end or you know, that prophecy is being fulfilled, our way of life is changing. So your, your debate is a mute point. You're, you're debating something that is irrelevant because open your eyes to everything is changing. You, you look at just how interactions between humans, between people, like if, if you talk to anyone that deals with the public, you understand that the public is going insane. You know, people are, are they, they don't know how to interact with each other without trying to get one up on each other. Constantly, you have fraudulent people trying to either, you know, complain because they don't have enough chicken nuggets in their meal or that they think they can talk down to the person working at Wendy's or, you know, that they can come in and if they throw enough of a fit, they can get whatever service they want for free. That is lawlessness. You look at how just interactions between police, police officers and the public. Not only do you have police officers that are shooting individuals that are are innocent, but then you have the interactions of the public against the police officers to where they are put in a situation where they don't know how to act either. Like this is, this is all coming to a boiling point. So if you want to debate if we are in the end times or debate if we're in a time that is filled with lawlessness and is changing on a radical point, we're talking the same thing. We're talking the same language. It just depends on how we want to interpret the words used. So I'll hand it back over to you on that one, Matthew. Well, let's consider this. I mean, we talk an awful lot about banks, right? I mean, they're obviously the best place to work. But this is in the Wall Street Journal. Banks shutter 1,700 branches in fastest decline on record. Okay? Uh, branch numbers fell again in the second half of 2017, according to a related data submitted to bank regulators and reviewed by the journal. That would add to the thousands of locations closed following the financial crisis and is the longest stretch of closure since the Great Depression. Well, let's, let's check this out. Regional banks have only accelerated their closures more recently. From mid-2012 to mid-17, Capital One Financial uh, cut a whopping 32% of all, its, all of its branches. SunTrust Banks uh, cut 22% of all their branches. Regions Financial Corp cut 12% of theirs. For all three, the sharpest came in a most recent 12-month period. So, do you think to yourself, well, why are they doing this? And you continue to read, and, well, it's very enlightening. It says, 
Bank of America adjusted earnings in 2017 matched its highest annual profit ever. Closed or sold more than 1,500 branches since 2009, including the vast majority of its rural branches. The closures have helped the bank save on occupancy and employee cost, bringing down overall expenses. The lower expense levels have bolstered bank profit. But let's not stop there. They have to come up with inventive ways to do it as well. Real estate auction firm Ken X says more banks are using its sites to sell properties, many at a discount. The firm, which got its start focusing on distressed real estate, is now considering a new group dedicated just to banks. Ladies and gentlemen. Boy, I thought the jobs numbers like just keep being added to. I mean, we we'll we like add jobs every month, don't we? Really? I mean, Wall Street Journal, um, you know, just told us that this is the largest stretch of closures of banks since the Great Depression. It is the greatest on record. In record time. So, turn to the left, turn to the right. <laughs> the Colosseum crumbles around you. It's literally come down. I mean, the Emperor's drunk as a skunk and Rome is burning. <laughs> I mean, Get a kick out of Tiana. The only thing she thought of any value was the comical content of the Super Bowl commercials, and I'm sure they was. I haven't watched anything. I, I, I haven't seen any, but... Everybody knows where the liberal arts come from. They were either comedy or tragedy. But massive bank closures and nobody's being told. And we got serious problems. I mean... Just as today, I spent quite a time delivering the message that, uh, well, um, we're going to start having a pretty serious uh, solar minimum. You might want to check out my uh, my Twitter feed there, uh, because that would be the perfect window of opportunity for. God to kick us off our axis. You see, you can firmly believe in your heart that our orbital declination is going to remain at 23.4. But when God tells you he's going to stand the earth up, you can take that to your bank and put that on deposit. Because that's a guaranteed surefire win. That's what he said. 
He said he's going to stand the earth up. That means that uh, you've got this to look forward to. Your equatorial bulge is going to be in the wrong place. You don't have to believe him. You can literally believe in flights of fancy. My youngest provided the latter part of the break today in connection with the riddle of the iron pillar. Now, instead of Super Bowl commercials, I suggest you look into the scriptures that she provided. You can go on thinking that everything's normal, but, you know, also during the break, the information that was provided of the amount of species that have been wiped from the face of the earth. And take note, those numbers started in the 70s, the me decade. Uh, By the way. As of right now, the satellite information has been collected and collated. All readings starting from 1972. That's right, I said the right word, 1972. The origin of the interstellar wind has moved... Well, a very interesting number of astronomical degrees. Same amount of degrees that they have calculated to be the orbital inclination of the celestial scapegoat, which happens also to be the inclination of the sun itself. Because I know the Super Bowl halftime is important. But you need to know this. The ecliptic, which is also another term for the orbital plane, is not on the sun's equator. It's not. The sun's tilted by that same amount of degrees. Now, if you can't see that God's setting you up, For a perfect impact deflection, you really have entertained yourself to death. Half of you don't have a clue as to what I just said, and I just stated to you scientific fact. But I believe the Bible, God's holy word, when I read it. I don't argue with it. If I don't understand it, I go right ahead and believe it. God explains it to me later. But, I guess the satellite data is irrelevant to the likes of the entertained. 
very prophetic what my daughter read for the latter part of the break. Have you not heard? Do you not know? Well, I guess you need to do a search that Brian was talking about. And I guess if you don't know these things, go. I think he did said to do a search for Illuminati Super Bowl halftime. I'm sure those ministries will tell you all about it. Ask for me. I know quite a lot about wave dynamics. I know quite a lot about angles of deflection. I read such things when I was a little boy and had no idea. Confused about what God was talking about, but I believed it anyway. And I am glad that I've been able to relay that data to you here over the past several minutes. Clinton, can we get your closing comments, please? And don't forget your website and contact information as you see fit. You know, one thing that we all forget is that none of us are above the other. You know, it breaks my heart when I go on YouTube and and I see these videos of the outrageous People just there's no other way to put it. People are treating others with just complete disrespect and complete contempt. It, it's it's disgusting to see. We have lost our ability to love. We have lost our compassion towards our fellow man, and we're told that this would happen. But there comes a time when we need to realize that my sins are not any worse than yours. What you have done is not any worse than what I have done, because if you have done one, you have done them all. And I need to stop judging you just like you need to stop judging me. And unfortunately, when you look at the TV, you watch what's going on, that's all that's being judged. It's all being brought down as judgment upon every single person. This Weinstein effect, this political battlefield, this everyday dealing with the public. These are all just indications of this love that has been lost, this lawlessness. And that is going to be one of the most difficult battles that we have going forward. So everyone, thank you for your support. We appreciate everything that you do for the end time tribune. My name is Clinton Coach. If you want to follow me on Twitter, every news article that we talk about, I, I try to put on Twitter, or you can follow me on my website at clintoncoach.com. Thank you, everyone, and may God guide you on your journey. Brian, your closing comments and your contact information and websites as you see fit. Well, to make mention of one little tidbit I didn't bring up, Changes within the uh, attempts to bring about an Israeli-Palestinian peace deal because America has now become a dishonest broker. Kind of reminds me of that word treacherous dealer. Folks, right now there are talks that are taking place where basically the vast majority of world powers are planning on coming to the table concerning the deal between Israel and Palestine. It really changes things quite considerably. 
Let us not forget on top of it, too, that America has singled out China and Russia as being basically its biggest targets as we speak and the biggest threat to American interest, a.k.a. financial interest. You know, with everything else going on, the Balkans has been boiling up as well. You know, we like that fuse in that part of the world. We are looking at world war because if you can't see that the whole rest of the world is embroiled in war as we speak. I don't know what to tell you. But those two fuses get lit. It's going to cause ramifications and repercussions all across Europe and everywhere else. Uh, if you want to keep track of the news that I basically bring up, I put everything on my Twitter, which is Overt Attention Show. On Twitter, my website, overtattentionshow.com. If you want to contact me, thebandsoftime at gmail.com. Thanks for joining us. God bless. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I hope you uh, have taken all the news to heart. I especially hope uh, you would go check out Gary over there at the Big Wobble. You know, he really is concerned that uh, a lot of the animal species are going to be uh, gone here within the next eight years. That's that's what he thinks. So that's what I'm going to give out as my website. How about that? I'll just give out Gary's. I'm probably confusing all of you, Aunt. <laughs> Please don't write me any emails about this, but yeah, go go check out the big wobble. My biggest uh, suggestion for everybody this week is to try to love someone, anyone, just anybody, more than yourself. Take a bit of time and look up a definition, a the definition for angle of deflection. You need to study that because we have three major angles determined by our satellites since 1972 from three different sources. God's setting you up. You know, everything needed for his arrival has been detailed in the scriptures quite definitely. And with more data than you could even employ. He's talked about it many times. It's just that somebody convinced you not to believe him. You know what? 
instead of sending me an email, why don't you send Gary an email over at the Big Wobble and tell him you, uh, you know, are thankful for what he does. Don't worry about me. I'm not important anyway. I never was. Until next time. Ladies and gentlemen, especially the brethren down under, God bless. Godspeed.